Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, my friends, and thank you for tuning in today to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I welcome you. I also welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise, my friend and partner in this ministerial effort. He pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, that's S-T-A-T-E-N Road, near Ackerman, Mississippi, and I am blessed to pastor Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road, right near the beautiful little town of Caledonia, Mississippi. Both of our churches meet at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning, and I promise you that if you come and visit with us, we will treat you in a hospitable and loving way in Christ. We want you to come and visit us. If you can't visit us at our respective church houses, then we also meet on quote-unquote neutral grounds, 6 p.m. every Wednesday night at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room in Starkville, Mississippi. If you can't join us in person regardless, then we want you to join us through Facebook. Go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, activate the notifications, and it will let you know whenever we begin live worship. And uh, we broadcast that again, 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. We invite you to go to the website, uh, gospel-of-grace.com. There's a way you can email us through that website. We want you to email us, contact us, let us know that you're listening. It would be a great encouragement, and uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love to field questions from you uh, if you have a desire. If there's something you'd like to know or like for us to address, then uh, we would love to hear from you. There's also Frequently Asked Questions, a church locator on there. Wonderful site. Again, gospel-of-grace.com. And uh, today we have a message for you uh, right after this hymn. We'll be right back with today's message.
Welcome, my friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles. Thank you for tuning in. Today on Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, I'd like to examine a kind of an enigmatic passage of Scripture found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. Here, King Solomon begins by pointing out the pains of this life, or as he puts it, travail. Now, what is travail? The word from which it's translated in Hebrew means a task or a labor. Usually in scriptures, travail is commonly used in connection with the pains of the labor associated with childbirth. Now, me being a man, I've never had the experience of childbirthing, as has my dear wife, Sister Laura, but, you know, I look back and my son Royce, our firstborn, she labored for 14 hours with Royce, and it was very, very far from pleasant for her. Uh, the end result of having the healthy child was outstanding, but you know, make no mistake, it took a, a lot of pain and anguish to get to that delivery. Now, King Solomon is relating this travail to the trials of mankind, the trials and troubles associated with life in general. Now, despite all of his great power, wealth, and prestige, Solomon knew travail in his life, mainly caused by some very, very poor choices that he made. This is especially evidenced by the doleful tone of Ecclesiastes. The richest man on earth was also one of the most downcast as well. Well, if Solomon was referring to the sourness of life, why did he then follow with, he hath made everything beautiful in his time? One moment he's bemoaning life, but then saying everything is beautiful. Now, what gives with that? Well, he is referring to the works of God here, not the works of man. He, or God, hath made everything beautiful in his time. You see, from our perspectives as fallen, weak-minded men, we hardly see everything as beautiful. There's disease and poverty and persecution, malice, envy, deception, bloodshed. It just abounds in this life. It's a mess. We see reports and evidences of it every single day. I mean, it's just a hot mess. It is truly a travail. However, from the perspective of the high and mighty God, of whom it is written in Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Now, naturally, if the Lord inhabits eternity, then there is nothing in all of time that can sneak up on him, right? And again, in Jeremiah 23, 24, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? He inhabits all of time and fills each space, friends. Don't you believe for one moment that he is unaware of anything? All the more reason you may wonder why he inspired it to be written that he finds it all beautiful. He finds everything beautiful quote, in his time. Notice that. That makes the big difference. That means, I believe, that even though all of the sinfulness of man, it disgusts his holy nature, just absolute disgusting. He has eternal vision and power to do 
as is declared in Isaiah 61.3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for what? Mourning. The garment of praise in place of what? For the spirit of heaviness. Though we don't have the sense to always see it, in fact, it seems that we rarely do have a sense of it even while we're passing through the very fires of life. We can be assured that for all of his children, there awaits victory on the other side. Now you may ask the other side of what? On the other side of what? Well, there can be victory on the other side of the turmoil you are experiencing here in time. I mean, the Israelites had a pickle when they were hemmed in at the Red Sea. You remember that? There was the sea before them. There were mountains on each side of them and a wicked bloodthirsty army from the Egyptians bearing in from behind. It was then that in Exodus 14, verses 13 through 14, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Notice what he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Despite all the odds against them, the Lord knew that it would resolve beautifully, and it did. Deliverance was theirs, and their enemies were fish food. Whereas no time before that, they were lamenting that there could be no hope. You know, we bellyache and tremble, but the Lord knows the disposition of all things. So if he has power over the disposition of all things, then we would do well to stand still, be easy, and rest in his deliverance. He is, after all, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, according to Psalm 46, verse 1. Our greatest roadblock to this peace of mind is our own preconceived notions and fears. These prevent us from experiencing the peace and heart and mind that the Lord has afforded us. For example, speaking to all those philosophers on Mars Hill, the Apostle Paul is who we're referring to here, many of whom were so scared of being offensive to the higher powers that they even made an altar, quote, to the unknown God. Well, Paul commanded them to, quote, seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. See, the promise of the Bible is that all those who seek him will never be turned away empty. In Psalm 34, verse 10, notice this. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now, granted, the Lord is not a candy machine dispensing whatever flavor you command at your whimsy. He is sovereign. His purposes are unfailing. His knowledge is exalted. Nevertheless, what you need during any trial, he has promised to provide us who place our faith in him. In Psalms 81 verse 10, he says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Now that is truly beautiful. However, what if your life is lost? What if you suffer all the way unto death or martyrdom? Well, yes, that happens at times to God's people, even to the most faithful. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was beheaded, as also was John the Baptist. This world of sin even doggedly savaged the Lord Jesus Christ, the only perfect man who's ever lived. Now, that does not seem beautiful, does it? But does that mean defeat? 
Well, don't despair, friends, for he's promised for that to be made beautiful as well. How? Well, because salvation for all the Lord's beloved has been purposed, achieved, and promised in Jesus Christ. Notice this in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Listen closely. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Notice the ones he began with. He's still got the same group under consideration. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them, same group, he also called. And whom he called, same group, them, he also justified. And whom he justified, same exact group, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who indeed, my friends, can be against us when God is so very for you? You may wonder, how do I know God is for me? Well, are you for God? We love him because he first loved us. My friends, if you have a burden for the Lord today, if you have a love for the Lord, if you want to draw closer to him, and that's an evidence that you're his child. And what you need to do is confess him and to walk accordingly to his word. Who indeed can be against us? The Spirit has revealed that the same who were foreknown will certainly be the same to live with him forevermore in glory. My spiritually hungry listeners today, take heart. This life and all the troubles of it are but a vapor. It's here and then gone. In victory, though, all those who fear God and trust in his Son have a special assurance that ultimate beautiful victory awaits. It is beautiful to the Lord in his time because the timeless Lord has purposed it. No rage or devices of the very devil himself and all of his minions could ever alter it, even if they were given an entire eternity to try. Why is it that we have such a hard time believing in this deliverance? You may have tried to stand still and see his salvation, but then reverted again to trembling, fears, and doubts. Well, we all have. Why? Well, first off, know that while we're here on earth, we can never be as perfect as we will be in heaven. That's a fact. It's sad, but it's true. It's inevitable that you will at times go off the tracks of your faithfulness, even if just in some fleeting inner meditations. God knows you, though. Yes, God knows you. Not only who you are, he knows you. In Psalms 103, verses 13 through 14, it reads, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Of course, now, don't take that verse as a license to sin, but also don't spend your time in your life beating yourself up every time you falter. Friends, simply repent, ask for forgiveness one more time, and rest in the Lord's grace, because I guarantee you he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Okay? Uh, until we are taken to heaven, it's just what we do. I mean, we have no other recourse. Just humble ourselves, ask the Lord for forgiveness, and then we will be drawn closer to him yet again. Having said that, I want to look at another reason for our lapses in faithful peace. Notice the next phrase of today's text. Also, he hath set the world in their heart, 
so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, according to Strong's Concordance, the, quote, world that the Lord has set in men's hearts can also be translated eternity. Now, why would the Lord set a sense of eternity in our hearts? What does that actually mean? Well, let me present it to you this way. Okay, if I ask you to describe eternity to me, what will you tell me? What will you say? Could you describe it in any terms that would make sense, really? If you say, it means there is no time, you will not have cleared anything up for me, as mortal men like myself cannot comprehend anything timeless. What would you tell me about matter in eternity? Is there such a thing outside of our realm of existence? What about sound, sight, smell, touch? In what way will we be able to experience those senses, if at all? You see what I mean? We really can't put our arms around it. We can't really conceive of it in our minds. You see, I think Solomon was telling us in saying eternity or the world in our hearts, I think Solomon was telling us that there's something, an impression in our hearts that's been given us that this world, this universe is too big for us, okay? It's not something we can quantify. It's not something we can get a hold of and a grip on. That is the sense in which eternity is set in our hearts. All men, especially those born again by the Lord, possess an oftentimes overwhelming sense of insignificance, of helplessness and awe at the unknowable universe in which we dwell. In my mind, it's kind of like the old Indian legend that tells the first man to come upon the Grand Canyon, to ever lay eyes upon the Grand Canyon. That legend tells that he lashed himself to a tree for fear that he would be sucked in and consumed by the awesome chasm that was before him. And if you've ever stood on the rim of the Grand Canyon, you kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about. Well, that's akin to our world. We so often feel tossed about without any strength to affect anything. That causes anxiety, hopelessness, and unspeakable fear many times. Dreadful, truly, is our smallness in this universe. The Lord gave us this sense so that we might feel it acutely and see his preeminence. Anxieties over our fecklessness, they're just worse nowadays. Why? Due to social media due to media in general. See, most of us no longer deal with life a bite at a time. Even though we have a difficult enough experience in life by dealing just with what presents itself in our day-to-day -day activities, how much more amplified fear becomes when we are constantly scrolling through a media which paints the worst picture possible about virtually everything. It makes it seem that the Huns are crashing through your gates right now. What do I mean? Well, your neighbor suddenly becomes your political adversary rather than the person who smiles and waves at you as you drive past every day. A few rat riots in scattered cities here and there convince you that the world is falling apart at the seams all around you, despite the closest riot being, what, hundreds of miles away from you. A bad cop here and there that you hear about on the news or uh, on Facebook mysteriously convinces you that all police are dangerous and evil, balderdash. An alteration in a few degrees of temperature over a couple of decades, which, incidentally, you never would have been conscious of otherwise had they not 
drilled it into your little brain. Now, all of a sudden, that means that the ice caps are about to flood the world. Just stop it, friends. Stop. Friends, we have enough trouble getting a grip on life a bite at a time. Stop dwelling on social media and consumer news. It will urge you to try to swallow a whole all-you-can-eat buffet line at a time of sour, distressing thoughts. And we aren't able to handle that. We just aren't meant to. It's too overwhelming by far. Yes, to an extent, the adage is true. Knowledge is power. However, be aware that that applies to things that can be affected by your power. You are not the Lord. You aren't omniscient. That means you don't know everything. Why? Because you're not omnipotent. You're not able to handle everything. In Daniel chapter 12, the prophet Daniel desired to know more about the future of Israel. He was troubled and thought that more news, more information was what would affect change and ease his mind. So he requested of the Lord, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? To the contrary, though, the Lord's reply to that troubled prophet was, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Thank God that we can't tell the future, amen? Much less the present. We are not capable of handling it, friends. But if this sense of inability is programmed in us, if it's unavoidable, and we can't make an appreciable difference on the grand scale, what comfort can we find in these terrifying circumstances? Ah, the answer's in the same text. So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. You see, the Spirit told us, stop trying to handle stuff that you aren't equipped to handle. Put your cares and angst to rest in trusting that the Lord is in control. God is the only one who can work these things out, and that from the beginning to the end. Stop worrying, crying, screaming, and suffering over this world's messes. Just know that God is in control. You were never meant to be in control. God knows that you are no good in this respect. Well, at least that's what the verse says. There's no good in them. So just live your lives in peace, enjoying the blessings which the Lord has provided. As in our text in Ecclesiastes, rejoice and do good in this life. Live your life. Rejoice in it. Stop beating yourself up. Stop oppressing your mind and heart by thinking that you have to work these things out, which no man, no group of men are able to work out. In other words, do the best you can, leave the results up to the Lord, because all the worries, all the money, all the politicians and think tanks in the world could never straighten this all out. <laughs> you know that, but the Lord can. He has never relinquished his grip, I assure you, friends. The psalmist gives us this admonition in Psalms 131. Notice this, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. In other words, this psalmist has learned, I'm not going to cast my gaze and make up my mind and say, I got to fix this situation when he knew he couldn't fix it. He goes on, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned from his mother. Yes, 
like a child being weaned from his mother, we get a sense of anxiety. We get a sense of dread. Well, how are we going to, since we can't get the comfort of mother's breast anymore, how are we going to find comfort? He said, my soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Amen. Friends, my prayer for you today is that you will sense your smallness. That's right. Little bitty insignificant you. But at the same time, the blessing is to sense the Lord's immensity. Now go, love your neighbor and smell the flowers. You know, go cast your vote. That's what you can do. Go cast your vote. But then rest. Be aware of how good things are around you today and praise the Lord for it. Everything is beautiful in his time. You rest in that, my friends. Until I'm blessed to speak with you again on such sacred and noble subjects, may the Lord's presence ease your troubled mind and your hearts. Love you. God bless. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the